0: Saying Low, Apple Music. Annie Clark is an incredible artist, known by the moniker St. Vincent. She's made album after album, every single one of them, building an entire new world around the music, but always very personal. And that's the thing I learned in this latest conversation with St. Vincent, is that she's been writing from a personal place the entire time, but conceptually fantastic, you know totally willing to get into the detail and paint the picture in the most vivid way, every time you press play on a St. Vincent album or you get to see her perform live it is a fully immersive experience and isn't that what we want from our favourite artists this conversation landed around her latest album called Daddy's Home, much has been talked about and written about, the subject matter of this record in relation to her father and his imprisonment over white collar crimes and his subsequent release more recently, inspiring her to dive into this brand new record and dress it up and all that Cassave 80s, mid-70s to early 80s New York grit and grime where all the stories and the tales happen behind closed doors. So I was super excited to be able to dive into all of what I just talked about with St. Vincent. I hope you enjoy it. Here's my latest conversation with the incredible Annie Clark on the interview series. I just went on and I ordered your new album on vinyl. Which looks amazing, by it. the way. Super gatefold sleeve with the pull-out. It looks amazing. Thank you. Then I just received this in the mail because I'm, so I'm doing a little unboxing ceremony in front of you right now. This is very, this is this is very millennial YouTube right here. Tune in, kids. <laughs> and you know, do <laughs> you know what's really funny? Out of nowhere, I swear this wasn't rehearsed. It's your buddy <laughs> and his old band. that I got, that I got on Oh one. my god! It's fun. It's yeah, it's, it's fun. <laughs> You know, I can't bring that uh, up with your friend anymore because he's just like, Well, you stop banging on about fun? I've moved on. Um, uh, but I do like He's then.
1: done a lot since then. He has uh, done a lot since then.
0: But do we have to be reductive of our past because we have a desire to move forward is the question. Is that, does that come along with the territory?
1: I think that there's, I always feel sometimes looking back at a high school yearbook photo. I can assure you my high school yearbook photos were not very flattering. That? Why would you do that? Why would you even look at that? I'm saying, listening back to old work, sometimes you feel like, like, ooh, why was I wearing that? What was I thinking with that hair? I mean,
0: well, well I guess the joy of it is, St. Vincent, is that we get that part of the trade that you can you can feel free to move on and to discover new territory, and we get to just live in that in that house as long as we want to. That's our that's our joy.
1: That's a very charitable way to look at it, and that's true. It's not for me anyway. It's It's for others now.
0: Okay, therein lies an interesting one Um, because, yeah, you finish something and I guess that part of the process is done. And I've always been fascinated with what the relationship is with records when an artist has finished them. Is there any relationship between you and Daddy's Home Now aside from getting ready to play it live?
1: It's interesting because usually what happens when you're putting on a record is, you know, the six months prior to putting it out, you're like, prepping and you're getting videos ready, and you're doing interviews and you're just like on this kind of treadmill. And then the release happens and it's sort of, it's sort of like, um, like plotting and planning for a party that kind of never happens because the record comes out and then you're done with it. You know what I mean? Like it's for other people. They can enjoy it or not, or take it however they want to take it. But, um, it's a really, I was having this discussion yesterday. As a matter of fact, it's so, uh, it's so funny. I mean, the real joy is in making it and then getting to play it live. Yeah.
0: I enjoy it and, I, and, I'm, and I'm deeply fascinated by every part of how, what you put into your music. We all are. Everybody is. Everybody, and I think that's part of what trips us up is that we get so drawn into your world that we're not quite sure where the line is. You know, and, and I and I, and I got to ask you at this point, because we, we're so close to the release of this record and you have done some some really interesting stuff leading up to it from performances to your point conversations, videos, all of it wrapping in this beautiful experience. But you establish a line when you come out and then does it get tough for you as people get closer and closer to the edge of what this record is about, of what you're trying to say, of who you are, because there's making it and then there's talking about it, right? And they're not mutually inclusive.
1: Yeah, and um, I find that I I am good at putting the story together in music form, and that makes sense to me. And that's sort of like, well, that's where like a a lot of the care, all of the care, you know, all of the all of the inspiration kind of comes from. And then you realize, as you start doing press, you're like, oh God, I'm I'm going to have to talk about things that I maybe thought I was kind of settled in that. I might not be as settled as I thought I was. And um, it's another, it's one thing to deal with it in art, but it's another thing to kind of deal with it in conversation when you yourself are kind of figuring out or how you feel about it is evolving in real time.
0: That's tough because all of a sudden it goes from being um, an embellishment of the creative experience and 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 a creating of context into a very human experience. It's like, huh, how am I gonna translate that going forward? It's all wrapped up in the record. That's the thing. It's another incredibly personal record, but this time I feel like you have really dressed it up. And you did last time as well. Mass Seduction was that different outfit, but this one is so like of a period of time. We talked a bit about it before, but it doesn't mask the personal story. It's it's a laid bare record. It is.
1: I mean, all of my records are so personal. it's uh but I understand that um there's certain things about this record. I think partly because of the palette, it's just these like warm, inviting sounds, or there's this psychedelic aspect that's just like kind of soothing, like, hey, come on in, have a glass of tequila, sit in the beat-up armchair kind of vibe. That I think that warmth in the sound of it, I think belies or adds to the kind of warmth of the stories in it. And, and my point of view in the stories in it, which is again, it's flawed people doing their best to get by in imperfect per, situations, which I think includes all of us. Like, I think that's just what life is.
0: It does, but you know, this is the artists, this is heavy as the crown, right? Because you inspire so many with this creative and this amazing ability, you, you, you spark our imagination we all get drawn deeper and deeper into it. How deep do you have to go to get it out of you? And was that, two-part question, was Mm -hmm. that warmth, that sound that you were creating in the studio, did you need that to draw it out of you? Was, Was it a part of the process of actually telling these stories?
1: Well, I think that certainly when I was writing songs early on and trying to figure out what the sound of them was, and I tried a few things, but songs like this that are like groove based loose like you know play a little riff and get out of the way you know things kind of coming in and 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 leaving and never returning that kind of just like ambient floating logic of water kind of thing those those sounds again like help me tell these stories and so when i discovered that palette i was like oh okay I know what I can do. I know the stories that I want to tell because they are, they can exist in this palette. They can exist in this, uh, in this color world and in this,
0: you know, reimagining of this era. But I want to ask you, you know, how important that the writing of this record and, and the personal nature of it in relation to your family was to you. How important was it to you? Could we have not even heard this record is what I'm really asking you. And you still would have made it in some in some way, shape, or form, or done something like that.
1: I need Yeah, it was something that one. There's the aspect of this kind of music that I'm referencing, which is like it's really sophisticated, you know. But it doesn't sound like it; just sounds musical. It's from you know that era when like rock and jazz and blues and all that stuff was fusing. Where radio and, would and play jazz. weird,
0: it was cool. You can be weird. Exactly. You can take it wherever you want.
1: Exactly. And God, I mean, what a great era. Not, not to be like the past is better in it, because it's absolutely not.
0: But, radio was. Um, it, radio <laughs> was cool.
1: It was cool. We can agree. Um, so uh, there's an aspect of my approaching that kind of music with a humility and a like, oh, I am qualified to approach this kind of music. I'm, a, I'm qualified enough as a musician now to approach the depth and the sophistication to show off. and
0: put it <laughs> you say he no you say humility but man show off like you and jack and the team get in the room and just be like wow this is what happens when you stick at it yeah you just you know because the thing about that
1: music was everybody could play yeah and so like oh i can play i forgot (laughs) you know i forgot it's really fun to just play music you know and and have it be free so there's that aspect of it just as a musician kind of coming at it with like okay i like kind of like okay sensei i'm i'm ready i'm ready for this lesson so there's that and there's the other aspect of it which is that um the impetus of writing it was framing it and like the fact that my dad was in prison for 10 years and he got out you know and that was hard that was horrible it was um it was horrible it just was I mean and uh I wrote about it in other records but I never really you know talked about it head on and then it was like became a tabloid piece that was just like oh god that's not how I ever would have I wouldn't have talked about it to begin with and then it was sort of um thrown out there is this like salacious can you believe and it's like yeah well, sucks part of this album really is like reckoning with what happened and reckoning with like who i've become in the process and then reckoning with like you know sometimes we get new information that makes us rewrite the stories we've been telling ourselves <laughs> you know, sund- you know what I mean? Oh yeah. And so you go, "Oh, sh-. you know, like I was thinking about it this one way, uh, but come to find out, yeah. everybody's I'm, and I'm talking about it in a sort of like esoteric way, but like everybody is kind of on their own path living out their own pain in certain ways and you intersect and sometimes what their the expression of their pain doesn't look like what we would think it would look like. And so we don't recognize it as pain.
0: So what does that do to the albums that you made before to some degree? And I know you don't listen to them, but but surely there are moments now you think back about the records you were making where you were telling a story that felt so rigid in your head, changes over time. Those records are there to remind you of your journey, right? Those records are there to remind you of what you didn't know.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and I'm God, I'm so glad I had music to sort of figure it out, but to, to not, to be, to put a finer point on it, I guess, is that like, um, it was an incredibly painful situation. It, you know, I think when you have someone who you love, um, no matter how complicated the relationship is is or anything like that, who's incarcerated, it's,
0: you do time with them, you know? You wrote, you said that in the album.
1: Yeah. You know,
0: on the title track. I mean, that is, that lyric jumps out. Wow. That lyric jumps out. Out, you can't be passive when you sing that. Like, Mm -hmm. and just—it's so interesting on this record because you've leaned into this era, and you 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 put on the clothes and you become the person. But the pain is in the performance, for sure. Like, there's no getting around that. When you sing that line, you did time. I did time too.
1: Yeah, I mean. (laughs) yeah, (laughs) we all did, you know, it was terrible, but, but I think the thing that I am coming around to and that's been very nice Mm -hmm. is that, you know, life is long and there really is, there's the possibility for things like redemption and forgiveness. And I have Mm -hmm. a nice relationship with my dad. I really do. He's, you know, outside my studio painting my deck right now, you know, like there's, (laughs) it's like, I, you know, if, if you asked me, you know, two three years ago, if I thought that was going to be the case, I'd be like,
0: "What?" Oh, I I think you probably would have <laughs> been know, like, "Sorry, I can't hear you. What did you say?" Look, uh, oh, <laughs>
1: yeah. that's okay, but you know, yeah, it's the uh, forgiveness and you know, moving forward and stuff. That's that's a trip, and it's I feel, uh, I feel lucky to have been able to explore it in a musical way, and also i'm just i'm I'm glad to be able to move forward, I think
0: yeah, and therein lies the universal lesson for us all, right, which is that once you get to that point let's let's start to build new memories because it's surely this album is to some degree about reckoning with the old ones, taking the new information and building what actually feels like a future. And it's interesting to me that you would want to- uh, set out a road for the future in an area that is so steeped in the dirt and filth <laughs> of the past. I mean, you're such a lounge fly on this record. It's unbelievable. Um, can we talk about the performance a little bit and, and what it took to kind of find this voice? Because you do find different voices in each record. That's part of what makes you unique. So so how did you sort of almost conjure up the character, even though it's personal and it's you? What was the process towards finding the voice on Daddy's Home?
1: Um, I think a lot of the process was being able to be alone in my studio and just play just experiment you know what happens you know i didn't know i could ow i can't do it right now except the warm-up but like i didn't know i could like sort of james do a james brown impression i didn't know i didn't know that my voice you would
0: be that on cue what's wrong ow. with you ow.
1: <laughs> you know or like i when i you know when i scream uh, i want to be loved and pay your way in pain i didn't
0: I didn't know. There's no I, rehearsal for that. There's no rehearsal no, for that. that. <laughs> that's like, that's coming from somewhere else. For
1: yeah, sure. that wasn't like me, 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 me. <laughs> no, no. I'm ready yes. now for
0: existential hurt. <laughs> 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 Hit but record. I mean,
1: yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> Yeah. That came from somewhere. Uh, it's just playing, playing. I would, I sang these songs over and over again, not, to be a drill sergeant, but just to like explore what happened, you know, what happens if I deliver it like this? What happens if I deliver it like that? Um, I discovered new things about my voice. I tried different stuff. I mean, just play, but it truly was play. I want to, I want to make sure that it's like, I was just playing.
0: But has it, was it always like that for you? Even, even as a kid, before we knew you as St. Vincent, as Annie, the kid, were you always like play make believe was that always a thing for you was imagination especially considering what we've just talked about like where you've got to kind of at some point dive into your imagination that could happen later in life does play play a significant role in allowing you to cope and just kind of be well
1: i think i think making music does in the sense that like when i'm writing a song or when i'm singing or when i'm playing guitar i just kind of go someplace else and the things that I don't, that don't have a logic in my brain or that are sort of pre-thought and are just a, a purely emotional that I don't even know what I think or feel, they come out magically, musically.
0: Well, why wouldn't you create, right? Even if the world doesn't get to hear it, why wouldn't you create? I mean, I think that that's got to be one of the great lessons for everybody. The more that we, we love artists and love art, no matter what it is or how it gets made, that the process is... To your point, that's the thing. That's what allows you to grow, right?
1: Well, I want to tell you one story that I was thinking about the other day, which is that probably seven years ago, I was on tour in Lausanne, Switzerland, and I had a day off. And so I did what you do, and I emailed Brian Eno, and I was like, where should I go? (laughs) (laughs) And he he recommended uh, this Outsider Art Museum. So I go, and it's amazing. I mean, it's amazing stuff. And I see this wedding dress encased in glass, and it's glorious. I mean, it's beautiful. And then I read the story, and it's a woman who had all kinds of mental difficulties, challenges, was institutionalized, but her big dream was she wanted to get married. So she painstakingly, with spit and stolen toilet paper from the institution, created this beautiful wedding dress. And so that's what I think about when I'm like, uh, get in the studio. Like if it's, you know, like we, first of all, humans have like an irrepressible urge to create or those who do won't let anything stop them. Even if it's something so harrowing, harrowing as being institutionalized, like that impulse, that urge will make people create things. And um, so, yeah, I think about that sometimes when I feel like I'm being lazy. Like, she did it. It's
0: a great story. And it's, you know, it's such a classic Brian Eno story. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, I think let me call it's up. David Byrne or Brian Eno, but let me sorry
0: up. not sorry. To... No, no, no. Hang on. <laughs> you dropped a twofer. You know. You tri- <laughs> I know that was so you, You're tripping such over. Such a dick move. You're tri- God, totally. God, such a dick move. Totally, but done with style. <laughs> So you know once again you, you assembled the right people for the right for the right you know the right experience and Jack Antonoff this um this human being formerly and in my mind forever of fun <laughs> done <laughs> a lot more since then. Uh he you know he's he's just this amazing chameleon human being who, who, who and I've spoken to enough artists now I feel safe in assessing that it, really what is his superpower apart from being able to play great instruments and compose and arrange and help and d- distill your vision is that he's a human who speaks human mm-hmm He's a listener and he translates what you're going through in your moment. What was that like for you working with him on this particular record? How was he of benefit and use to you as a human being?
1: I don't think I've ever met anybody who in a non pie in the sky, Pollyanna kind of way is so idealistic, but idealistic in a way that's like not knock you over the head with dogma, but like idealistic in just an inspiring sense that makes you feel like anything is possible um and i mean i i was i think i might have told you this we i had this song called the holiday party that was sort of a sketch and a little bit in pieces and we walked into electric lady before the pandemic happened and it's like yeah i don't know jack i just kind of want to make this like down and out downtown thing and then he started you know laid down a wurlitzer thing and i picked up an acoustic guitar then he then he picks up then he goes in and like does a drum take I'm like ooh yeah that's very salty I like here. that that's awesome and then he's like oh yeah well just do 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 and does his best like and Jocko on the bass I'm like what like I, where did these chops come from I have I've never heard you play like that even though you know I know he's a great player but he was just like yep this was all right here and I think like the fact that there doesn't have to be, because you can play everything between the two of us, we can really play everything. Um, There doesn't have Mm -hmm. to be a sort of lost in translation moment where you go, I kind of want it to be something like this. And then you get another instrumentalist in and you're translating through them. When
0: Minimal explanation, minimal explanation and communication, right?
1: Exactly. And I did work with other great people on the record. I don't want to, I don't want to shortchange that at all, but it's just, we have a shorthand and, um, He's just one of my favorites.
0: I want to talk a little bit about um, the, one song in particular, which I love, which is called Down and Out Downtown. And, and that's, that just brings me to the question, which I've danced around too long now. I've got to ask you, why this era? Why Cassavetes? Why downtown, gritty, grimy, New York at its roughest?
1: I don't know why. I don't have a solid explanation. I could, I could pontificate on like, why art from that period was so good. But, like, look at the records that were made between 71 and 76. Look at the movies that Chinatown was made. You know, like, look at the stuff that was getting made. It was excellent. It was, like,
0: excellent. Well, it was I mean, raw, too. It was rough. And yeah. it, was, it was unapologetic. And it was like, hey, you know these characters you're rooting for? They're not good people.
1: Yeah, or, or at least they're, like, complicated people who aren't going to make the best decisions all the time. I know. Um I just think, um, and I don't want to be, I don't want to romanticize the past too much because everybody, you know, there were all of the same issues. People were people back then, obviously as well. But, um, I think there's this really specific period of time where, um, there was a lot of complexity and sophistication that was okay that was kind of celebrated but again it was so musical if you like you didn't have to know what was going on to enjoy it you just thought this is great and i think people like stevie wonder were um speaking to people's hearts and the real issues that were going on in the day and again you don't change people's minds by bullying them you know the only way you change people's minds is by like kindness and, and empathy Like, people might be bullied for a second and and kowtow for a second, but you're not going to really change them. Say something that
0: people want to actually hear.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And if you do happen to change someone by bullying them for a second, in a month's time, they'll be just angry at you and the problem will be worse. So, Stevie when people like this were, like, talking to people, speaking to their hearts, speaking to their real issues, and... It's just kind of before things got like on the rock side of things, things got very like stadium-y and kind of, I don't know. Like I, you know, I mean, no disrespect, but like, you know, like bands like Journey that sort of like later. Now careful. 70s. No, it's just that I, it's just that. The the feelings that they express in their music are feelings I, I've never had.
0: Well, and also they got lost in bigness. This is the thing. I think, you know, in, in, in that period you're talking about, it still felt intimate. There was a lot of records being sold and a lot of big concerts being played, but the stories were intimate. They were still this kind of, you know, the protagonist was somebody that you kind of knew loosely, you know, someone who, who was trying to figure it all out. Whereas then it got big and it became like, you know, let me tell stories that don't even exist. Let me create characters just to get people's hands in the air, you know? And it just, yeah, that exactly. was the birth of something very different, which was like big sales. Big sales. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, the,
1: and, and they would just like bake the stadium reverb into the recording You'd be like, exactly. well, this is going to end up in a stadium, so we might as well Let's just beat them to the punch. <laughs>
0: yeah, just beat them to the punch. It was, a, you know, it was that time. And so, okay, great. That leads us to this. So, Here's somebody who exists who who you love all of those things you described, right? And to some degree, there's a constant through the music you make, no matter what shape it takes, that you're searching for that that grittiness before it becomes too big sales. But you know, you've yeah. also, <laughs> but you, but you, but you've also kind of experienced success, experienced celebrity, been on the end of a camera lens, dabbled in all that. And so, what does that feel like for you? Like you have ambition, right? What is your ambition? What's the relationship between your ambition and what it takes to be successful?
1: As always, Zane, a thoughtful question. Um, I have, um, I don't know if this is incredibly naive and it might sound like that, but um, what I care about is making great stuff that I'm proud of. I th- things Things like, things like, you know, getting good at photo shoots, which is not anything I necessarily thought would be a skill I'd have to cultivate or wasn't thinking about that. You just, okay, that's a skill you cultivate in order to just do the things that will introduce people to the thing that you're really proud of, which is the music.
0: Right, 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 right. Trojan horse.
1: Yeah. I mean, and I mean, which isn't to say, I don't in any way mean to say that I, W- wouldn't um you know create worlds or stylize things? I mean everything that I try to do with the way that a record looks and feels down to the paper you know in the vinyl sleeve and my whole look and everything should continue to tell the story. That's why I just go there and I just try to like live in another dimension for a
0: while. There were times when I would pick, when I would log on to something and you, you it's like huh, interesting there's any know and And yet, and yet, you know, which is great, you know it's like cool, there's Annie, she's living her life, she looks happy, she's laughing at the whole thing, she's handling it, fantastic next story but but you're not still there, so it's obviously like not a thing that you need to feel validated, but you did look like it it was something that you sort of thought was curious, at least at first, like this is weird
1: it was yeah, it was really a really interesting bizarre, uh. Roller coaster, no regrets, uh, wild time, um, but just insanity, like insanity, insanity. I mean, I'm like, my best friends are my friends from, you know, elementary school. Like, I, there's my world isn't like that big in real life now. It's like my f- homies, you know? So that the pomp and circumstance thing, I can, You know, I can do, I can, you know, switch gears and kind of do it, but I don't, it doesn't make me feel validated. If anything, I think a lot of that stuff, which again, ends up being like aspirational or just to sell people, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't like fill my spirit, like being being in the studio fills my spirit, you know?
0: Well, you told a great story about it. You know, you, 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 sort of presented it, you and Carrie presented it in this film you know, like okay, here's the here's the here's the playful version of events, which is actually more rooted in the truth than you than you realize. Mm-hmm. That's, I guess, why you very rooted in the truth. Not why you did it, but it must have been fun to be able to pull the narrative back and be playful with that and and show for what it is. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Because it's, and I don't mean any disrespect to what it is, but it's an it's an industry and it's a game and it's a it's you know there's a there's a wizard behind the curtain it's not and i don't and also i don't like i don't fully want to participate in in stuff that makes people feel bad about themselves
0: talking about mass seduction and i wanted to specifically bring up mass seduction at some point in this conversation because i feel like i know that album and i know that that side of your 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 journey better now than i did when we spoke about it at the beginning i've listened to that album a lot you know the shows and everything that came with it how did you feel at the end of that? Because there were so many things that that, that felt unique about that project. How how was that experiment for you? Because it felt like even though it was you, you were still experimenting and figuring out like what's it going to be like if it's just me on stage. What's it going to be like if I try this? There was a lot of risks involved in that. How did you feel at the end of it?
1: I felt like I had done it. I felt like I had exhausted all of those ideas. I felt like I'd worked through something that I was trying to, you know, exercise like exorcist exercise through that process, I felt tired and I felt like, okay, it's done. That's not a place I need to go exactly again. Um, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm really proud of, uh, the the shows that, that, We did, and and the risks that I took, and it was a, you know, it was a bizarre time when I was like, no, 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 I'm not going on stage unless my feet hurt. (laughs) I'm not going on stage unless I'm in, like, latex, and, like, like, the kind of latex that if you, like, hunch your shoulders, it looks bad, so you're just, like, everything is strict and posture, and... I don't know, I needed to do that. Wow. I needed I needed to like regain control of my of uh, my life, my world, and so I I did that in in ways and I that got expressed through through a lot of how I how I looked and what I was wearing and in addition to the music obviously, but just being
0: strict. I I didn't realize at the time. I mean, I knew that it was a very intense experience because the performances were and you could tell that you were believing you were in that just lost in every element of it it wasn't like hey take three steps this way did it It was like i didn't realize that it was actually you were sort of having to entirely physically mentally and spiritually emotionally put yourself into that place before you could you felt like you could even do those songs justice that's what you're saying right
1: yes I was, I, I basically would put myself in stress positions <laughs> to go on stage, but I, I don't know why I needed, I needed to, maybe it's, it's, uh, you know, the the half lapsed Catholic roots that were like, no, no pain, <laughs> you know,
0: right. Pay your way in pain,
1: pay your way in pain. That's the spirit.
0: You're good. <laughs> I'm just repeating you. That's, you're basically saying I'm good. <laughs> I've got to start using
1: that. I've got to start using that.
0: Thinking about this album in relation to the performance side of it must have been immediately fun because you were immediately ready. (laughs) It's like as soon as you showed up and started playing these songs, it was like, oh, we don't have to wait for this part. Like, I get this. Very different to the self-flagellation tour. Far more of a sort of community again and leaning into that, into that, space of community and 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 your band and just being able to like feed off your band and vice versa um how did you put all that together and and how much fun were the rehearsals and just talk us through before we saw it how it all came alive yeah
1: so fun um so uh i hit up justin meldell johnson who's uh played with beck for a year i mean j he's jmj he's a great producer incredible musician. you know, played in Nine Inch Nails. He's just like one of those dudes who, um, has all of the chops, but is also like a punk kid with art damage. So it's just this really, it's not, it's a very wonderful intersection, right? Because sometimes people have chops, but they're not like freaks. And then sometimes they're freaks, but they don't have chops. So anyway, Um, so I was talking to him and I was like, you know, I'm sooner or later, I'm going to have to play some kind of live show to tape it for something. And, uh, we just started talking about what I wanted to do and the vibe and the just, and, and he, I suggested some players, he suggested some players and they ended up being just a great group of people. Jason Faulkner, who also has played with for years and is an incredible musician and same thing, the chops with art damage. And then, um, Mark Giuliana, who's, he, I, you might know him, um, most recently, even though his predominant idiom is like being the jazz drummer of the world, but, um, he was on Bowie's black star. He was that drummer. Right. So. Couldn't be, an, could not find a nicer guy. Like he's lovely,
0: perfect, really. Because that album, in many respects, it touches some similar points it, it, sonically and feel-wise.
1: Thank you. Well, that's you know, God. I mean, to to have to have one of the best records you've ever made be the one you make months before you die. I mean, I I hope I get to go out like that. Um, that's yeah. just classic Bowie. Um, but, uh, and then this great key player named Rachel Eckroth, who, um, just, just monster, just like, just a monster ripper, you know? Um, and then I wanted to sing with other singers, you know, I'd never done that with a real, like dedicated. Yeah background vocalist thing you know um but i didn't want them to just be like oh background vocalist so much of um me writing the my own words and my own um melodies and stuff but also writing for these other voices was just to like oh everything about this record really needs to be a conversation and sometimes you know they're like an omniscient third party. And then sometimes they're like my best friends. Well, and someone's
0: got to like... ask you, what do you want?
1: Yeah, exactly. Sometimes they're the sirens at the rocks. I mean, it's just like they're, they're different things throughout the course of the course of the records. But
0: when I saw, when I sorry, when I saw that this, this, this for the first time, it made me feel, and I don't mean this in a direct comparison way because many people have done that call and response with singers and, and it's worked beautifully each time in their own way. But it made me feel the same way I felt when I went and watched The Talking Heads movie for the first time and watched the way they bounced off each other. And that was just, it was all this one big symbiotic kind of vocal experience. It wasn't like, I'm in the back. Sultry move And just Add in my touch yeah. I really am in Instead no, of a drumming Playing singing I'm so sorry There's a lot of Musical theatre Going <laughs> on my really side That's really good that. I think you've t-
1: Written two hit songs Over the course Of this uh, Interview yeah, I think They're both in the Same key though So I need to Really
0: work on that But uh Big sale Big sales. Stuff yeah. I think No but it did it sort of it brought out that same feeling of like uh, I'm watching something that is that is a, a, a pure relationship in front of me, and it's not like that. There's a subservient part of it in the back. It's right there next to each other.
1: No, no, no. That is specifically a trope I wanted to run as far away as possible from. So I've this amazing singer Cy si Smith, who is, who is a great writer and just can hit like Mariah Carey notes. Like she has the the like dog whistle notes. And it's just unbelievable, beautiful, beautiful lady. Um, Nika Hamilton, who's the alto and she's just so cool. And a lovely girl from Youngstown, Ohio shout out and, uh, Nyana Holly, who is, uh, just like so cool. an LA girl who her dad actually was one of the like core background singers with the late Michael Jackson. Um, So she kind of comes from a, a, a lineage and understanding of like singing like that. So yeah, I really wanted our relationship to feel authentic and not in any way like, oh yeah, this, this, the singers are in the background, poorly lit you know, just like, that's not the vibe. That's not the vibe. It's a conversation they are. I wanted to showcase them and have well, multiple
0: protagonists <laughs> require multiple voices to help tell the story. And that's what this is. Right. I mean, it's, it is, it, it is a play. This is a play. I mean, it's a record. And I don't know if <laughs> based on what you've ta- we, the conversation we've had today, I don't think you'd want to put yourself through it in a different light again, immediately, but there was so much to this that could come to life. And if not this, Do you think about where your music can go beyond the space of making an album and touring an album and everything else? Because you just keep setting the bar high for yourself and for us. I wonder whether or not you start thinking, where else can I show up?
1: You mean like um, do I need to start a sneaker company?
0: Yeah. Branding. I'm asking basically (laughs) – Basically, I'm terrified to ask this question, so I'm just going to come out and ask it. You thinking about getting involved in branding? (laughs) No, I mean writing something for this. If the check clears, (laughs) the term's got to be right. The term's got to be right. No, you know, would you, you know, would you write something for the stage? You, you know, you've, you've directed now, you've mm. scripted, you've acted, but it's kind of a light, it's kind of a playful take on your own story. You know, yeah. you build these characters and make these worlds. Don't make me work harder for this one. <laughs> you know what no, I'm no, saying? I get
1: it. I'm not, no, I'm so, so, yes, I'm not like, and, and tell me more about me. <laughs> <man>.
0: <laughs> uh, and then carry nice. on, please. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Oop, yeah, go on. Um yeah i mean i I would like to do more acting. I think that's really fun is it though because every actor
0: i've ever spoken to is like torturously long days <laughs> very difficult know. but
1: <laughs> I think it would be fun if it w- if if it was like I did a movie not fun i don't think the process of like Because I have a different thing that I do, which is, um, you might have heard of, it's a band called St. Vincent. Um, Yes. But I would, you know, it would be fun to sort of like dip a toe in in an interesting way. Even if I didn't like the experience just to learn. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm all for, you know, just being uncomfortable. Definitely, I've been asked to do a little bit more scoring work, which is, that's that's pretty fun.
0: Your friends Atticus and Trent are having a good time. It's like trying to get a nine inch nails out record out of those guys right now. Come on. I'm all for it, but come on. How many Oscars you need? Can we get, a, can we, can you please go and d- dive, d- dive deep and pull out some horror s- situations so we can all feel better about ourselves? Like, what are we talking about?
1: Yes, absolutely. And PS, we need, I mean, and. In- 2022 i would love to see a nail
0: show we're talking about what's possible right now the doors open a little bit you know you are such an incredible live performer you never ever show up to a concert with a guitar in your hand and it's like cool where's the stage it's like nah, nah, nah. it's got to be more than that we've talked we've talked about that a bit in this yeah what's what's you must be just dying to bring this to life
1: yeah. I have to say, um, rehearsing with the band for SNL and then some other things that we've done recently. Um, it's just like, it is palliative. You know what I mean? Like playing down and out downtown with that group of people, like takes me to another planet. I know that might sound self-serving because it's the song I wrote. Um, but,
0: no, it's great. But it really, That's the it's point. Just like,
1: I'm just like, Oh, okay. I'm in the warm bath like i'm in here this like this moves my heart to sing it and same thing same thing with the holiday party you know i'm just like oh it's very here every time i sing it
0: i always i always wonder though how how challenging it is when you when you build such a um a a sort of bespoke environment that speaks to a time in your life how you then go and 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 You do it every time. How The last record or the one before that makes sense to this one when it comes to putting a show together because it's like you don't do things in increments. You make complete breaks.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really has to be a, a full... Has to just be the full experience.
0: So, what are these? What do these songs from Saint Vincent say to this? And what does what does Mass Seduction say? And what is you know how does all that make sense in, a, in, a, in the overall live show whilst maintaining the idea of this of this all in environment?
1: I think about something that Bruce Springsteen st- said, which is that your job as a performer is to shock and comfort. Shock and comfort. You will mm. play some new song or play play new material then you play old material in a totally different way and then you also go back and you play some songs that they know and love exactly as they are in the record and you and it's just like shock comfort shock comfort and i and i i really like that i really like that approach because i mean and at various times in my life i've thought about like you know sometimes i want to punish this audience you know i, I want i I want to be punished and I want to punish them for, you know, 20 minutes with a noise cell or whatever. And then, and then sometimes, um, you know, sometimes you just kind of like, you want to be held and you want to hold them. So it's, it's, it really is all the, all the dynamics, but I think that that's the way I'm approaching a, you know, future live show with this band and iteration is to, Reinvent, reinvent some old stuff, and then play some.
0: So, who's the greatest? What's the greatest live show you've ever seen? Can we get into greatest?
1: I think two that are coming to mind. One was uh, when My Bloody Valentine came back and did Loveless, like what, fifteen years ago. And and luckily they they were handing out earplugs. Thank God.
0: I went to that with Trent. I went with Trent, and Trent looked at me and said, "So loud!" <laughs> That's Trent. No,
1: no <laughs> way. Yeah. I went to see it at the Roseland. I don't know where you guys saw it, but it was, like, kind of, like, probably, what, 50 feet back from the subs? And it was a completely, like, transformative experience for my bowels. You know what I mean? It was like, Jesus Christ. But it was cool yeah i was like and then well, I, yeah, like, I think i like this <laughs> <laughs> i'm having fun i think um but so, oh but uh, oddly enough oh but one funny story around the same time i played this french festival called, called saint malo i'm gonna mm-hmm. pronounce it terribly but um but they also my bloody valentine was closing the night they were so loud and were using so much power on stage the generators went out the power went out Okay, so that's one. So speaking of training. So you didn't play? Oh no. I I had played way early. I I I I had played at the brunch hour. This was <laughs> this was prime time. Well, I Don't mean, you miss that a little
0: bit? Don't you miss being over and done by two? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know what? That's like opening for a, for an arena or stadium band. You're like, well, I guess uh There's you, know, you to go it. for thirty <laughs> yeah,
0: you're thirty minutes and then uh, you know. This is the great elephant in the room for artists, and no one ever wants to admit. I have no problem admitting it. When I was in a band, I was like, You mean I can get, I can get, I can go have dinner? <laughs>
1: like, I know. I know. Especially at the time that I was opening for, a, for an arena band, it was a Black Keys, Black Keys tour. I was like, So fried from touring anyway. So the fact that it was like, Well, go out, play uh, 30 minutes, and then you can have a nice dinner and a glass of wine and go to bed, you know, it's like, okay. Whew, okay, great. Um, I want to totally. say a nail show
0: was, was one of my favorite shows. That's what got the question rolling. Cause I suddenly thought after I mentioned them, I suddenly thought like, they are just outrageous.
1: So the nails, Russ killed a festival a couple years ago. Um, I played and then the nails played. See, I've moved up in the ranks, moved up, up the poster, you yeah. Still, you, still um, get, you can still
0: get last orders though. At that, at that point, I think.
1: I just want that. Yeah, I want that cold cod at the end of my show, <laughs>
0: just sitting in the styrofoam <laughs> box. <Sorry>. Great show. <laughs> so yeah, you're on first, and then nails, and so.
1: And then nails, and so I like you know change clothes, kind of scrape some of my makeup off or whatever, and I go and throw on this trench coat that I think will be like kind of in, in, conspicuous, whatever. So I go into the crowd, like deep into the crowd and I'm just like watching. It's like fucking awesome. And it sounds great because they always sound fucking great. And, uh, you know, this kid like next to me is like, you know, taps me on the shoulders. Like, did you, uh, yeah. Oh, Hey man, how's it going? You know? And kind of like, yeah. So thank you so much. Really nice to meet you. And also like, Hey, let's continue. And then, uh, then they start playing March of the Pigs. And me and this dude just start being blushing. Blush! Like, <laughs> Just like, yes!
0: Yes! <laughs> it was so sick. Yeah. Um Yeah. It's good to feel that, right? Because you're still the fan. That's the thing. Yeah. And I think that's really the... That's the prevailing thing that I always get out of the music that you make and when you choose to release music is that you have this ability to immerse yourself in the things that you love and translate them and filter them through your lens. And it's, it's a real skill, you know, because one, one a little bit too much either side and it's either way too plagiaristic and mm-hmm. there's enough of that or you miss the point completely. Thank
1: you yeah I do know.
0: I think you've added on this one
1: yeah it's like it's a it's a really fine line between like genre study you know and like saying something relevant for now using some of the tools from then.
0: The remarkable St. Vincent, her brand new album, Daddy's Home, streaming now on Apple Music. It's just another wonderful walk on the wild side. Uh, Thanks very much for checking out this conversation. Make sure you add a rating or a comment, subscribe to the series, and once again, appreciate it. We're back next week with Tyler Joseph from 21 Pilots.